Redefining Wild, a view of nature from my backyard. This is a quote from Death as History by Jay Wright, an African-American poet from the 60s. They are all dying, all the ones who make living worth the price, and there's hardly time to lament the passing. Oh, this poem by Jay Wright is how I often feel about the rapacious extinctions taking place on our planet to too much of its inhabitants. And quite frankly, it wears me out. Fear politics, fear conservation. I'm sick of it. Like hanging on to the tail of a dragon being whipped and unmoored with every atrocity that befalls the wild. I often feel as if we are always coming from behind one salamander, one panda, a polar bear, one bird or golden tree frog, one bonobo, one wolf, one tortoise or whale, one lost or endangered species at a time, coming from behind too late, too late to save the wild. And so I asked myself the hard question, can we, with 7 billion people and still breeding, ever go back? Can we get to be the way it was even 10 years ago? And if we can't, what are we to do? What must we know about ourselves so we can change, so we can look at things from a different angle, a different perception, a different attitude? So maybe we can give all the living things an advantage. Change the rules, the paradigm, the game that makes us feel, makes me feel like we're always losing and on the defense of this uphill battle. So I'm walking out of this ball field, this bloody battlefield, to look with new eyes and an open heart at what surrounds me. Instead of looking at what is wrong, I want to see what is right. See where things are thriving and build from that. I'm taking the old and wise advice that change starts in your own backyard. Even to rewild, I must start there. And so I considered mine. Our dog got skunked again, and when will he learn that nightfall is when the nocturnal darlings come out to grub and forage? We have three dogs, one of them Nashville, or the Ville, or simply just Nash. The only male cannot leave the skunks alone. So no matter how many times he gets hit in the face with their pungent Mark Hapton musk, neither Gretchen nor Tallulah care much for the skunks, but Nash can't leave them alone. Tallulah and Gretchen are insane for squirrels. Gretchen has suffered greatly for her obsession, jumping fences and not always clearing them. Our dogs, the holy trinity, the domesticated wild things that love all that is wild, will chase, bark, toy with, roll, or try to eat anything that strikes their fancy. I have an outdoor aviary. It started innocently enough with a few agapornis, 
Small Connors, an homage to my mother. A gargantuan lover of all Earth's flora and fauna was she. And it has now turned into a very large brood of lovebirds. An appropriate name, as the sixth extinction is news to them. These little ancestors to the dinosaurs will find a way to make a nest, breed, and have successful offspring in ways that boggle the mind. Agapornis, indeed. And at the break of dawn, it often finds a lone coyote or wolf packs cruising down the street looking for dog for food, most likely, small critters, or a drink of water. And while still others, distant and haunting songs can be heard rising from a hidden den, on this morning overhead, almost simultaneously, was a flock of geese heading to the golf course or the arroyo in concert with the numerous and comic green parrots, their numbers close to 100 as they browsed in trees above my yard. Housed in the nearby tree is a family of screech owls, and while several times a day the skies are graced with a plethora of red-tailed hawks. I find them magnificent, although when they dine on an occasional Asian dove or a sparrow, my lovebirds watch in horror from the safety of their aviary. Kestrels and falcons have been known to have a bite or two of what is available to eat in my backyard as well. Happily, I have noticed that the blue jays are coming back after much decline from the bird flu several years back. Are they stronger for it, the ones that survived? And I considered the bats with bat white nose syndrome, and I wondered, like ourselves, who have come back with a vengeance after the plague, that maybe to the bats, those that can adapt and survive, will come back stronger still. And those gophers, the menace to your yard, what great movers and shakers, soil aerators, burrowing, digging, and mining. Oh, fabulous. Let them be. Let them be with the earthworms. It's their yard, too, and I looked at all the beauty that surrounds me daily. Possums, assorted varieties of finches, chickadees, woodpeckers, hummingbirds, butterflies, flies, Bees, grasshoppers, moths, praying mantis, grubs, redworms, earwigs, sow bugs, mosquitoes, and much, much, much more that I couldn't see or name or missed, all thriving. Thriving in Urbanville, Los Angeles. My habitat, my home, their home. A client of mine in Altadena is concerned that a cinnamon mother bear with her two cubs won't make it through this year, as she has wandered further down the neighborhood than is safe in search of food for her babies. She informs me, folks off the hill are less apt to be adaptable to the intrusion of wild animals, but most people that live up top the Altadena mountains are used to deer, coyotes, bears, mountain lions. You have to keep an eye out for mountain lions, but if you leave the bears alone, you'll be fine. Most of us that live up here are thrilled that there is still so much wildlife roaming around. Most, but not all. And I'm going to put my money down on the side of history and our future that bets there's more, not less, that feel like her, feel like me, feel like you. 
Anyone who works or volunteers for an animal facility gives a piece of their heart every day. We work to protect what remains of the wild out there. While we hang on to the dragon's tail with all our might. So, what do we make of these interim wild? The animal kingdom that lives right under our noses. That we often miss, dismiss, or have conflicted relationships with. These fierce and wildly adaptable creatures that are beating all the odds. Which share the habitat that we dwell on now because we have stolen theirs. These animals coexist with the most ferocious predator ever to evolve, man. And the second question I asked myself was this. If man, if we, are so capable of adaptation, then why not other species? The wild still crops up where we least expect it. Or a species thought to have been gone forever reappears Maybe, just maybe, these wildings are much smarter and stronger than we have given them credit for. And that we, the scariest species to come down the food chain, may be smarter too. I believe that billions of years of evolutionary skills counts for something, damn it. So it must count for all the other species as well. That this inherent drive to survive and pass on our DNA could override what looks like mass suicide and lead enough of humanity to see our global connection sooner, not later. So in history, as in nature, it is darkest before the dawn. As Jeff Corwin stated in his beautiful book, A Hundred Heartbeats, ironically, the only species capable of saving these animals is the same one responsible for putting them in danger. Are we capable? I have been stunned that humans have been able to regroup and flourish after Rwanda, Kosovo, the destruction in Iraq, Japan, World War II with its death camps, Vietnam, Cambodia, Cambodia, where not a bird was left singing for over a decade. And yet the relentless and unstoppable heart of humanity held out its hand beneath the insanity and the rubble, the cruelty and destruction and things revived and lived again. Denial and innocence fell from whole nations. With broken hearts and unspeakable losses, they rebuilt towns, provinces, provinces, villages. God damn it. They rebuilt towns, provinces, villages, homes, cities, countries, and families and saw the value in all living things. Wounds healed that seemed so deep there would be no closing them. But rebuild and heal, they did. If our species can do this, along with the millions upon millions who work quietly in small and large ways to sustain and protect and preserve life, then we can surely turn the tide and save our planet with all of its beautiful diversity and do it in time. One inchworm, one butterfly, 
one hummingbird, one California condor or pronghorn, one backyard at a time we can learn and teach and work. People want to see what they have been so severely severed from as they have become civilized. There is an unrequited longing for once where we once lived among and we were a part of. The closest thing to nature the majority of humanity sees is at our sanctuaries and zoos. More people visit zoos each year than all the sporting events combined in the United States. Maybe, just maybe, we need to redefine wild. It isn't just out there, away where we can't see it, or in another country, or in the forest, or the mountains, or even in our zoos, or aquariums, sanctuaries, or preserves. It is every living thing around us, every tree, every garden, every flower, every bush. And while we cannot while I will not give an inch or acre if I can help it to those who would rather have a dollar than a frog or an orangutan or a cheetah or a forest filled with rain, I will start with the wild in my yard. I will live with them and I will be glad for their thriving. I will take my granddaughter's hand and at night we will go spelunking to see the wildlife with their distinct and pure language, and I will teach her what has real meaning and value. So when you go home tonight, from whatever place you've been, smile at your snails. Be grateful for all your spiders, bugs, caterpillars, and crickets. Kiss your cats and dogs. Oh, and listen to the birds. And let your heart grow glad that there is still the sweet, sweet sound of nature all around you in your own backyard. I'm reading this now, and it is the sixth week of quarantine. I'm in California, and it's global. And one of the things is that Mother Earth has gotten an incredible reprieve. A deep breath, a rest. I've heard wonderful stories of deers on overpasses and animals coming out and being where they haven't been, God, probably in my whole life. The oceans are certainly happier. No cruise ships. No a lot of things happening in the ocean. No fishing. God, Mother Earth and all her living things all the trees, everything. Even wars are on hold, for God's sake. It has been good for the planet. And I pray that everyone is safe and sensible. And if you feel like giving to anything, our zoos could certainly use a donation. Thank you, Sandra Cruz.